Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to Wired Hoops. Uh, this is basically just going to be a podcast for everything related to basketball and culture. And yeah, that's about it. We're just um, three guys who love basketball. I'm AJ. And hey, I'm Amantaz. What's up, y'all? My name is Nazim. Yeah, we're just all three guys from Brampton, Ontario. Uh, all Raptors fans, except for Amatos. Screw him. Nobody likes him. He's a big Braun fan. Bro, Lakers Nation out here. Lakers Nation. I'm not going to mention. But yeah, we just love talking about basketball. We love to argue about basketball, debate. So we're like, you know what? Why not we just make a podcast, right? If you guys enjoy, um, yeah, please keep looking out for episodes. Follow us on our Instagram at Wired Hoops. Uh, and yeah, there's more content coming your way. We're planning on doing a podcast once a week and try to cover as much topics as possible. Um, if you like, you know, stick around. And yeah, let's get started, guys. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. What about you, man? Listen. Oh, I'm kind of blessed, but I can't even lie, bro. I I woke up this morning on the wrong side of the bed and my neck is just dead, dude. I'm like... Like my head's just like completely slanted, bro. It's not looking good today. Man, I couldn't sleep, bro. Too excited for opening night today, bro. Lakers at Clippers. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, guys, we are recording this on opening night. And yeah. we're going to talk about our predictions and stuff like that. So um, leave your predictions. Let us know. DM us your predictions. Um, yeah. Yeah, today's opening night. I'm excited. What is it? Like Nets, Warriors, and Lakers, Clippers? Yeah, man. We got winning. Uh, I think Lakers gonna win, and I'm pretty sure the Nets are gonna beat the Warriors. Yeah, yeah I think I think I'm. I think the same thing too. What do you think, Nazem? I think I think Warriors take this one against really? the Nets. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the regular season matters that much for the Nets this year. Yeah, but like honestly, they look good. Though. Like chemistry between yeah, they look nice. and Durant. They look nice, yeah. They look good, and sure. with Curry alone, like I don't know how it's gonna work. Like I know Ubre is pretty good, but we haven't seen him much during the preseason. We haven't seen Wiseman at all either. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to say the least. I think the matchups tonight are good. Lakers, Clippers. I don't even know. It's just really. I think it all depends on how well the Clippers mesh. To be honest, the season. Yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be. Let's see how Tyloo, you know, works around with the team that he has. Yeah, hopefully it's just not give Kawhi the ball and get out of the way. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Back and throw back to like 2018 LeBron. Yeah. yeah. I, it all depends. I think there's a lot of mystery surrounding this Clippers team. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys saw Doc Rivers' comments today about Paul George. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, he said something. Uh, he was just talking about how, oh, Paul George struggled in the bubble and that he needed someone to blame for his struggles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. making excuses, you know. So I don't yeah. know if there's gonna be a mentality switch in Paul George. Like, what is he? What's he gonna do? Because he did really struggle, and there's a lot of memes about it. But, so, I mean, we'll see. I still got Lakers and Nets. Um, I think that's definitely gonna be cool. Culture change, you know, regarding the Clippers, a culture change in yeah. general. Like, I feel, I feel like you know, there was too much, too many personalities in that locker room. You know, facts, dude. That's actually so I, true. I, you had Pat Bev, Marcus Morris, who came in, and then you had yeah. Paul George and Kawhi. Yeah, for then sure. I was really had... surprised at this whole like uh, when I heard the news that a lot of Clippers players were upset about Kawhi getting you know special treatment because especially here in Toronto, you never heard of anything like that. You know, yeah. he didn't didn't seem like a guy with like a really big ego. At least up here to like us Toronto fans, you know, we 
we never really saw that. I guess maybe just in the one season he was with us. But you're seeing a lot more drama with Kawhi Leonard. Of course, there was a lot of drama in San Antonio. But, you know, like that's the side of him that I never really thought about and not really didn't really think was there, you know? And that was really shocking to me, to be honest. Yeah, I think sure. with the Raptors, it was a little different because, you know, we had this group, this one group that's been there, you know? Yeah. And I think there was this, you know, because they gave up DeMar, I think there was this desperateness. That, you know, yeah. Kawhi's only here on a one-year deal. We got to do whatever we can, you know? Right. And I think also, they also had like one mentality, you know? Like we had, yeah. they had one goal, you know, not everyone in Toronto has egos. Like everyone knows what they want there. Like everyone knew, you know, you had Norm, you had OG, Kyle, you know, all these guys, they want to, they want to go for a championship and that's all they care about. And they have like this brotherhood. And I think that makes yeah. a difference too, you know? Yeah. But sure. yeah, you're right. Definitely about the Clippers and their personalities, you know, with Trez gone and Ibaka coming in. Uh, maybe that changes, you know, the dynamic think, of that I locker room. I think that helps for sure. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you know, I think um, I don't know if a lot of outsiders would know about this, but like you know, Serge in Toronto, he was definitely like a glue guy, you know, with all of his like fashion stuff and like the memes and his cooking show. He brought the guys together. I feel really well, and yeah. I think the Clippers are going to definitely gel better this season. And I feel like there has to be some effect of like blowing a three-one lead to the Nuggets, like at the back of their head. I mean, they they need they have that mentality to prove something this season. Right? Yeah, for so sure. Like, yeah. If they don't have that, then it's all over. And I think that's the thing that kind of worries me because, like, with guys like Paul George, you know, I mean, Paul George has been through so much in his career with like the major injury in 2014, right? He's definitely been one to bounce back. But when it comes to like sort of these pressures from like the media from the um from the community or like the community like the nba community i guess you could say um he hasn't been really one to step up to the challenge you know like especially that's the thing that kind of worries me like is he gonna have that mentality like i know for sure Kawhi will because Kawhi was playing out of his like he was playing really well in the bubble until just that last game right yeah. and you already know he's gonna be fired up and angry and you know mm-hmm. much more focused this time but i'm still worried about paul george yeah, I think they need that leader. They still, they still need that one other leader. You know? For sure. You know how Raptors had Lowry, who was that main yeah. leader? Yeah. The, the Clippers still need that. You know, like Lowry, he would be the perfect guy for the Clippers, like on the court and off the court. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he brings both sides of the game. Right. And he brings his leadership and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they need someone that that leader that leader who's been through it, you know. Right. Like as much Popovich as Popovich said something like that too, right? Like when he when Kawhi got traded, like he he said something about Kawhi not being a leader, right? And that presence in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, because he's always been around those leaders, you know, Tim Duncan, Manu, Tony Parker. Right. He's always been around those guys, so I think Kawhi needs a leader beside him to you know succeed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I like I, either he because I think I think I was listening to Stephen A. the other day, and he was talking about Kawhi Leonard, and he just went off on him like, "How are you getting paid? You know, so much money." And then there's so many scandals around you too, right? You know, with this whole Uncle Dennis thing about yeah. asking for illegal stuff. Like, I know I don't know if you guys know, but there's a there's a lawsuit going on. I'm pretty sure you should know about that. Yeah, uh, like, the whole oh, yeah. dude and Jerry West. Yeah, um, I don't remember his name exactly, but. Um, talking about how he helped Kawhi Leonard get there, 
right? And that kind of yeah. all sparked this conversation. Like, what type of leader is Kawhi Leonard? And why isn't he charging his team forward? When they're up 3-1, you got to be that guy that says, guys, we got to stay focused. We got to, you know, we got to do it whatever we can, right? Yeah. But he's more of the, that quiet presence. And I don't think he had that, you know? Like, for example, a guy like LeBron, he makes his teammates better, but he knows for a fact, like, listen, we got to do this now, right? Yeah, um, going sure. back to... 2016 in the 3-1, right? When they were down 3-1, I remember um, I read something that said that LeBron went into the locker room and said, if you don't think we can come back down, just leave. Don't come. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. that sort of like presence that he had on that team and that sort of mentality shift that he kind of instilled in that Cavs team that really helped them, I think. And Kawhi just yeah, hasn't like been able to do that. You need that, right? You, you need your leader to do something. You, you need your leader to close out games. Like your leader just kind of goes scoreless in the fourth quarter, right? For sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. It's just one of those. Sorry, what were yeah, you saying? No, you continue. Yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, that comes with being, you know, great. I guess even MJ, like, of course, people are saying that he was a pretty, like, kind of an asshole, right? But, you know, he came in. And he led by example really well. You know, he was cocky and whatever, but he showed up every single time, yeah. right? And he, that's how he led, right? And his teammates saw him be like, whoa, this guy's going like partying at like 3 a.m., comes back, drops 45 on the team, right? Yeah. That, that kind of thing, at least even that motivates your teammates, right? But Kawhi doesn't do anything. He's just a quiet, like, oh, I can't, yeah, I don't want to say it, he's yeah. kind of a bitch. Like, he just kind of sits there quietly, does his own yeah. thing. Like, you can't do that and i think that's what Stephen a was pointing to as well like you can't just do yeah. that you can't be quiet you can't put up 27 a game and that's it you gotta actually be there for your teammates you gotta actually bond with them you gotta make sure they're all on the same page and they don't feel you know that you're getting special treatment or whatever yeah you gotta be vocal man for sure for yeah. sure so that's the thing you know like they fired uh doc rivers you know uh put you know he, they move uh what do you call tyron lu from assistant to head coach right yeah, I don't think yeah. that's enough because you know when when Ty Lu was with the Cavs, right? They had that LeBron, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like right, and, right. With, and in and in Toronto, you know, Kawhi he had uh, what's it called? He had Lowry, he had Nick Nurse, who was also vocal, you know. Yeah, um, Ty so Lu isn't that kind of guy. He's kind of a yeah, he's not that guy. Kind of a yes man, I to think, be honest. I think they have to definitely make some moves. Whether it comes with moving out Luwell, Pat Bev. Mm -hmm. Maybe Marcus Morris close to the trade deadline if he doesn't work out. Right. I think, yeah, I think Luke Kennard is good. He's a stepping stone to fixing some of their needs or helping with some of their needs. Yeah. I don't think it helps. I don't think, I think there's still a couple steps away from matching right. up with the Lakers. And you know, speaking of like a couple steps, let's look at some other steps that teams have been taking recently. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about free agency real quick. Um, First things first, Rudy Gobert, guys. Five years, two hundred and five million. What are you guys' thoughts? Overpaid. Overpaid. Yeah, obviously overpaid, but you have to look at the small market situations, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that's that's kind of what I was thinking too, and like I'm just looking at my notes here. So I think the general public response was that he was definitely overpaid, right? Yeah. But again, you got to look at how Utah is a very small market and his and Gobert is huge for the Jazz. Like they need him, you know, to be this yeah. competitive team that they are. Um yeah. and because of that, his value to the Jazz is like definitely much higher. Like it's worth the 205 yeah. mil, right? For the 
for the Jazz, it's worth 205 mil, but for any other team, I don't think like any other bigger market team, because Utah is right. really small, like it's the lowest of low, you know, small market teams, you know, because they're right. not attracting anyone with, you know, being like being in Utah, you know? Yeah. I think and, for any other team, it's bit of, it's an overpayment, but like what he brings to the what do you call to the Jazz like his defensive impacts, you know, like without sure. without Rudy, you know, they're not even a top ten defensive team. But the yeah. second he comes back in the lineup, he's their top three, top two defensive team. Right, and I think this kind of shows. I think Utah is just they're they're going for a win now, right? Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. right now is twenty eight years old. And, you know, with this extension, because technically he's still on payroll for this year. So the extension is going to it's going to activate after this season. So that's yeah, going to be gonna be on the payroll for the next six years. That's until he's like at least 33, right? 33, 34. Right. Will his play style still be, you know, available or like viable in five or six years down the line? Because as the modern big man comes in, you know, we see guys like Wiseman, Wendell Carter Jr., Cat sort of take over the league. These young centers who are, you know, stretch bigs, who can take you in the post, who can defend, um, right? As they take over the league, is Gobert's value still going to be that high, right? And I think that's a risk that the Jazz knew about and they were willing to take. And this also shows that the after this bubble season and they seen how crazy Donovan Mitchell was playing because he was playing out of his mind in that series. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do believe that Donovan Mitchell is going to take like an all NBA jump these next couple of years and lead them to the finals. I, I don't know for the Jazz, like speaking overall, like uh, Mitchell and Gobert, they're not good enough to win a ring. So I don't think, yeah. But that's what um, I'm saying. Like, yeah. they think that he, Donovan Mitchell is going to take that jump. You know, like he's going to take no. that uh, all NBA type, you know, best player in the league type caliber jump. That's what they think. Right. And honestly, after looking at the bubble season season, I do think so as well, because, you know, if we look at the parts around um, go Mitchell and Gobert, right, you got Bogdanovich, great, def- great offensive player. He, you can put up 20 yeah. points at like any day, any day. Right. Um, you look at Mike Conley. Conley is a really good player. I think, you know, if you go back to his Memphis days, he was clutch. He's a good defender, good dribbler, good ball handler. Um, I think he just struggled a bit this season and he was getting better throughout yeah, the regular yeah, season. But really good. Yeah, yeah, so if yeah, they can that. find that sweet spot, I think now with like this extended rest, I mean, not as much because they were in the bubble, but, you know, with this sort of extended time between, you know, the, the stopping the season and the bubble and then a little more of an off season now, I think they've had more time to kind of gel, right? Yeah. And I think um, the backcourt, the Utah backcourt is going to be something to see because I think, you know, Mitchell's a decent defender. He's not amazing, but he's still pretty solid. Of course. <laughs> he's good, he's good. Yeah. But um, he's, of course, known for, and he's going to be carrying most of the offensive load with Bogdanovich, right? Yeah. Um, I think their starting lineup is definitely competitive. It, again, it depends on how good Mitchell does and how well Mike Conley plays. But the thing that worries me is definitely their depth. Yeah. Well, they did bring in what they have. Okay, so they have Joe Ingles. They have Royce yeah. O'Neal, right? Royce O'Neal is pretty solid. I think they brought in Derek yeah. Favors too, but he's still getting yeah, up they, there in the age. Yeah, he's getting up there, but it's a really nice deal. Nine million a year. That's really mm-hmm. nice. They re-signed Jordan Clarkson. Which is good, and then yeah, but there's a lot of I feel like unproven players. Like you have George Niang; yeah. he's a solid player. Yeah. I think Niang is pretty good, but he's again yeah. unproven, right? You don't yeah. know much about him. You don't see him much on the box score, 
right? Yeah. He's one of those players that you can't really count on to be to do something, right? You know, all role players they do like all good role players they do something at like in a like a really yeah. good level, right? Even if it's just one thing. I don't think Utah has very many role players that they can count on to do like one really solid thing, you know? So I think and like, that's just the thing that worries me. So I think like the top eight is good. And then after that, it drops off major, you know, a big drop yeah. off, you know? So I but think like, like, like how they, are they going to compete with like, you know, the defending champs, the Lakers, right? Yeah. Who have, who they yeah. added depth this off season. Somehow yeah. they got Trez, yeah. they got um, Schroeder. Like even though they lost, you know, Dwight Howard and, Rajon Rondo, Rondo. Still got back, Rondo. I think, even better pieces. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I guess the consensus, I mean, majority rules here that, you know, Gobert, definitely a bit overpaid, right? But, I mean, we just got to see into the future because the Jazz, they definitely are putting all their chips in one basket on Donovan Mitchell, right? If he can make that big jump, to become an MVP caliber, a consistent top 10 player in the league, right? But at the yeah. same time, like, like I'm not certain if they can compete with the rest of the West, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got teams coming up like the Mavericks, you got the Suns, the Clippers, the Lakers, of course, the Nuggets, Trailblazers. Like, there's so many teams. I could list every, uh, so many other teams that are coming up, right? Memphis, you know, so are they really going to be able to compete with that? That, I guess, is to be seen. So for me, the thing is, for this season, as long as, until like you know, as long as they have Conley and if he if he plays as he's expected, I think their right. their ceiling is Western Conference mm-hmm. Finals. I think right. they can make they can they can make a push. I don't think they can go any further. I think secondly, so Mike Conley's contract expires after this season, right? Mm-hmm. Going into next year, and maybe let's say let's say three years down the line, right? when the Lakers aren't that big of a, what do you call, without LeBron, let's say LeBron retires three, four years from now, three years from now, right? Right. I mean, we can't even, there. we can't even say that. This dude, his, like the way yeah. he maintains his body and his conditioning, I mean, I, I can see him play for so long. Okay. Let's say yeah. the Lakers aren't the same Lakers that they are today, right? Obviously, because right. LeBron's going to get older. I think yeah. that with Gobert Mitchell as their core, I think three years down the line with, Luka Doncic, Christoph Porzingis, Mavs. I think they can compete, but I don't think they can compete to the level that they can compete today. Right. And you know, I, like I just don't understand that how you justify giving Gobert such a big contract. Yeah. Then, right? Like, it's tough. Like five years they're in a tough spot right now. Yeah, um, but let's. I mean, let's see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's hope for the best. I really do want to see the Jazz make some noise. I think they're a bit of an underrated team this season. Um, But yeah. Uh, Also, I just got some news that James Wiseman's actually going to be starting tonight for the Warriors. So that might change a few things. Does that change any of you guys' predictions? Uh, No. No, he's a rookie, man. I think think I'm going to stay firm in my my, uh, prediction. But we'll see. It'll it'll be interesting to see how Wiseman plays out. But let's keep moving. I really want to see what you call, you know, the... Steph Curry, James Wiseman pick and roll, you know? Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool. Cause if it's anything like the um the Bogut pick and roll, but of course Wiseman's a lot more athletic, you can shoot a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, so yeah, I think because Curry hasn't played with the you know elite or at least above average center yet. Yeah. 
I think it's nice. So it's the league, uh, the, what do you call it? The Warriors have a different system. I think, I think it's going to be a team system because obviously they don't have Clay Thompson anymore. Right. This uh, yeah. I want to see Steph Curry. He's, he's definitely going to get more pick and roll. So I want to see what he can do with that. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it might be like closer to how it was in early in his career because he used to run a lot of pick and rolls um, yeah. back when um, before David the coach Lee. before Steve Kerr. I can't remember his name, but yeah, back when David Lee was on the team, right? He used to run a lot of pick and roll mid range shots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we'll see. It'll be interesting how Steve Kerr decides to um, uh, shape this team's identity. But yeah, let's oh, move on. Own. Next is Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. He got a three years, $40 million extension. I think this is a pretty good deal, guys. What do you guys think? I think this is definitely... If, so if there's any of the, like, from the contract extensions that we've seen, I think this is probably the most overpaid one, in my opinion, because... Really? Yeah. Okay, look, in, in the bubble, he was good defensively. Like, certain times, he was good defensively. Like, against the Rockets, he was pretty good. Right. But he's not consistent. You haven't seen no, for sure. Like he's seen. definitely very inconsistent. Yeah. And offensively, his shooting is limited. You know, what was he averaging? Close to 32% from three. Yeah. I don't think that that doesn't, that's not 13 million. You're not tracking 13 million to shoot. You know, what do you call it? You know, 32% from three. I have, to, I have to disagree with you on this because I think Kuzma is a really solid scorer. And I think in the eyes of other NBA GMs, he does have a lot of trade value, right? I think that given the opportunity, Kuzma could really develop into a really strong scorer, like 20-plus points per game. Kind of like a Bogdanovich-type player, but maybe a little bit more athletic, a bit taller, right? Because, you know, looking through preseason, Kuzma was balling out. You know, he's got the he's got a couple dribble dribble moves, right? He has some go-to moves that he can use. His three-point shot was looking nice. Of course, his finishing is a bit questionable at times. Right, and is so far so is his defense. But I think this season, I think Kuzma's gonna turn a lot of eyes. I think, Um, especially as a like you know, kind of cementing himself as his third option. But I think that since he's only making like what thirteen million a season, right? I think that's pretty good for the Lakers because if they do decide to trade him down the line, it's not like an insanely expensive contract that no one wants to take on, right? Kuzma still has potential, and it's not that bad of a contract as well, to be honest, to trade. So yeah, I think it's a good yeah. decision by the Lakers. What uh, do you think, Amitos? You're a Lakers uh, fan. Let me know what you yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Lakers fan. So I think it's a good deal, right? So like Kuzma, so like we have LeBron and AD now. So he's not going to get a lot of like opportunities, right? So like I still think he needs to work on his shot, right? Like he needs to make the majority of the shots he gets, right? That's why that's why he can like ensure that he's going to be on the roster for the years to come. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, he's highly replaceable, right? It's like you can just trade him and get like more assets because like, like I used mentioned, like he's like uh, a lot of GMs would love to have him on his team, on their team rather, right? So I think it's a good deal, personally. I think it's just playing in LA just gives him a heightened trade, you know, trade value, I think. Just playing alongside LeBron, right? But I think that's just like probably the biggest reason why this contract is good because they can still trade trade him if they want to right if they want to go after like a third star or if they are trying to if they feel like they have a holes in their roster right they could definitely make a solid trade around kuzma um yeah, yeah. Sure. okay so the next one so a couple others that crept up on us so we got luke Kennard, four years 64 million what nazim what do you think i think if he works out in the system <clears throat> so like i said he brings that playmaking ability so you know with right. the Pistons last year was he averaged 4.1 assists right 
I think there's definitely more potential. He can probably average closer to six, maybe even seven sometimes with the Clippers Mm. because of how many options they have with Kawhi, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and stuff like that. Right. So I think it's so I think it's pretty good if he fits in the system. I think you have to give it at one year. Let's see what happens, and then yeah, move on from there. Yeah, I think it's kind of just you know he improved a lot from his rookie season to the second season last year. I think he played really well. But I still think that the Clippers are putting a bit too much faith in him. Like, I don't think he's proved enough to get this kind of money. Like, four years, sixty-four million. That's that's a lot, you know, for a guy who's coming off a like. Oh, that's a huge rookie extension, right? I think he was worth more, like Kuzma money, like three years, forty million. I think I would be down for that. But again, he does bring good shooting, good playmaking. I think if he works out, he could be a good replacement to Lou Will. Right, yeah, for sure, on for the sure. And, um, yeah, yeah, but, but the role. thing is, like the, the LA Clippers, they need like a future right now, right? They sold like they 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 sent all their draft picks. They don't have any future. Okay, right. so they need they, they need young assets right now. And like Luke, like he came off averaging like sixteen points last season. So like he's he's a good asset. I think it's a it's a good deal for the Clippers. He did look good in the preseason, though. I don't know if you guys saw. He he had a couple of 20-point games, if I'm not wrong. But he does look good. I'm wondering what this means for Lou Will, though. Because as I said, like he is technically, you know, he can do a lot of things that Lou Williams can do, right? And again, if we're going back to like the whole personalities thing, right? I mean, Luke Kennard, he's just a rookie, right? I mean, you haven't heard about him having locker room issues or anything at all, right? And yeah. t- only time will tell. But I think... You know, this is kind of this sort of deal is pointing towards perhaps a Lou Williams trade or any of something along those lines of Lou Williams perhaps leaving leaving the team, right? But yeah, yeah, I think overall this deal can definitely be a hit or miss. It really just depends on how well he goes in the system. For sure. Uh, the, the next one is so we're gonna the next two are Orlando Magic. So we got Markel Fultz, three years, fifty million. Like, wow. I just want to say, I'm, I'm really happy for Faults, right? Yeah. I think that, you know, he's been through a lot in his career with his injuries. Um, yeah. You know, with, and he's still recovering, you know, now, like you, you can definitely tell, but he feels a lot more confident. I'm just really excited for him to get back out there, right? Keep proving himself to the league. And it's just good that he's getting some guaranteed money now. You know, he's on a, he's on contract for a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I still kind of forgot that free throw, man. He forgot how to shoot, and now he's like... Oh, yeah, he's improving for, for sure. Yeah, he's improving. That was, that was horrible, man. Yeah. yeah. The amount of embarrassment he must have been through. And it's not even his fault, you know, his shoulder. It's a it's tough, but... And he's... I mean, he's still not a good shooter. Like, I think I, I was looking at a basketball reference. He's like 27% from three, something along those lines. But he is getting better, and I think... The Magic are desperate for a point guard right now because DJ Augustine just left for the for the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks. Right? Yeah. Um, and they definitely need a scoring point guard, and I think Markel Fultz can bring that to the team. He's also a solid playmaker. I like to say, you know, just looking at his stats. Um, yeah. Let me just pull this up real quick. Yeah, he so can. He can take season, the rim, man. Yeah, and he can finish at the rim too. He's pretty good. So last mm-hmm. season, in 27 minutes, he averaged 12 points. But more importantly, he averaged five assists, and which is pretty solid, right? Yeah. Not as great for a point guard, but you know, in just twenty-eight minutes per game, I'd say that's pretty good. Um, and yeah, so yeah, he shot twenty-seven percent from three, actually, not twenty-eight percent, but his field goal percentage was solid too. So he was definitely a solid slasher, 
right? Inside the paint, he was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think the Magic just definitely needed to get this deal done. They needed a point guard for the future, and they believe it's Markel Fultz. So I think it's a pretty good deal. What do you get? What do you think, Nazem? You haven't said much. Okay, so for me, it. personally, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily means that Markel Fultz is the point guard for the future because they just drafted Cole Anthony this year. Right. For me, I would have liked maybe a two-year deal where after this season, uh, Markel Fultz starts coming. He comes off the bench. Cole Anthony starts. Right. Uh, I don't think it's so. I like a three-year deal isn't even that bad necessarily if Cole Anthony can gel into that player we've all expected him to be before the the college season started you know you're expecting him to be that top five pick you know that pg who could do it all yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so i think that it's not bad mm-hmm. as long as you know they give you don't want to, you don't want happening what happened you know what's currently happening with mobamba right you know how he's not getting any playing time right you want that happening with Cole anthony you still want Cole anthony to get you know at least the 20 minutes this year and you know next year I think sure. I'm Rocket. Uh, what do you call Magic head coach? Starting Cole Anthony next year. You know I can. You know, and I'm trading Nick Vucevic and Aaron Gordon this year, and just letting your young guys grow. I think that's. So you're talking about like a full rebuild, and I, I think I gotta agree with that because um, Orlando's in like NBA purgatory right now. Yeah. Right, they're not good enough to make any noise. Right, but they're not also bad enough to get any good picks, right? And they have to really yeah. choose like what they want to do. Yeah. Um, much sure. like point guard of the future, what I kind of meant by that is that, like depth at the point guard position, right? Yeah. Uh, like I think that with DJ Augustine gone, that was a huge blow for them because he was a pretty solid scorer for them down the stretch of games, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and he was also a solid ball handler as well. Um, but you know, I think at least because Cole Anthony, I feel like is a very long-term project. I mean, he showed flashes of greatness in his preseason games for sure, but I still think that he's going to be a little bit of a long-term project, especially with his injury history. Um, I think the magic just really want to see and make sure that, you know, he's going to stay healthy. Right. And they want to see him grow to his potential, but you know, you do want to have like a backbone. And I think that's what they're going for with this Markel Fultz extension. Also, but, I also, I think the problem with the Magic is also their coaching. Steve Clifford isn't good enough for, he's not the coach that you want someone for a team that's going into a rebuild. Hopefully, right, like that, for sure. I hope that they go into a rebuild. And he hasn't been playing Mobamba. He hasn't been playing the young guys enough, you know? You reminds me of Thibodeau, Loki. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in that sense. But I mean, <laughs> you know, just get him, get him to Philly. No, I'm kidding, but... Um, just to reunite with Dwight Howard, but um, yeah, I think you're right about that. But yeah, it's time for the Magic to choose, right? And yeah. you know, moving moving next on to Jonathan Isaac's four year, eighty million dollar extension, right? I think they should move into a full rebuild because this guy has like tremendous he has, potential. Yeah. He has potential right? for sure. He he just needs to stay healthy though. Yeah, exactly. He just needs to stay healthy. That's literally it. When he's healthy, yeah. he can be a depoy candidate. 100%. We're not going to see him on the floor this season, but yeah. I'm really, really, really hoping. Like, I'm praying that he comes back next season He and he has an explosion because even in the bubble, he was playing amazing before he went down. Yeah. And I think four so, years, 80 million, I think it's just right because it's not like a max deal or anything, right? He hasn't shown that. He hasn't proven that, but it still gives him time um, to develop, right? And also gives time for the magic to. I guess, kind of decide and kind of evaluate 
their roster and especially um, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac and see how it works long term. But yeah, I think this is a good deal for the Magic. I think both of these were pretty good, um, making sure that they have their future locked in. At least in terms of Markel Fultz, you know, having a backbone on that at that point guard position. If Cole Anthony doesn't work out and Jonathan Isaac, he's your star, right? If he if he's healthy, so I think that's good. And then I think the <laughs> final extension. OG Ananobi, four years, 72 million. Thank goodness, man. The Raptors yeah. lost too many players this season. I think this is a dub, big dub for the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's the same thing as a Utah thing, right? Like, we're not a small market, but it's like not a lot of players want to sign with us, right? So we just got to like hand out the players that are playing well with the Raptors the bag. Mm-hmm. So we we, gotta, we have to give OG the bag. Right? We, have to, yeah. we have to make him stay. And you for know sure. for sure, I think that right now he's definitely like a defensive player of the year caliber player. I think he's been I think he's been developing into that. But then he also, I don't know, like I think we all can agree on this. He kind of reminds us of a young Kawhi, right? Yeah. Like in terms of his raw potential, he has the defensive instincts and he's a great defender. He was defending LeBron in the playoffs in his rookie year in 2018. Yeah. Didn't go well, but that just shows, you know, that the trust mm-hmm. that the team has in him. And yeah. I think with this four-year, seventy million, seventy-two million dollar extension, I think they're putting that trust in the in the training staff and the development team, along with OG, to keep getting better. Because every single season he's come back and he's gotten better. His dribbling, his finishing, his shooting have all gotten better every single year. And I think at some point in these next four years, I think he's going to turn a lot of heads. And I think he's going to finally become that player that you know that he's going to finally cap or like you know live up to his potential, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely not an overpayment. He's right where I expected the Raps to pay him. Exactly. Right. I, I predicted it in the group chat, right? I said $18 million a year. Yeah. That's exactly what I got, right? Yeah. Um, sure. yeah I think I, it's also he, good. I think the Raptors did a good job with their signings. You know, Van Vliet wasn't overpaid. He was solid. I think it was around 80-something million, 85, 86 million. OG, 72 million. I think we're in a good spot still. Um, for free agency, if we want to do make a splash, but again, Giannis, with him resigning, I don't know what the Raptors are going to look towards. But you know, in, in Masai, we trust. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now, um, guys, so now that that's pretty much all the free agency news. We still have the Derek White extension. Oh yeah, yes, the Derek White extension. I actually completely forgot about that. Yeah, Nazem, take away. I completely forgot. Okay, so. So a four-year, seventy-three million average is eighteen point two five million. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I I've seen a lot of comments or Twitter comments that were saying that it's an overpayment. I don't I don't think so because after this year, uh, the Spurs are going into full rebuild mode, and I think right, you're paying Dejounte Murray what sixteen million average. So you're with your two your backcourt. Your so Derek White and Dejounte Murray are you going to be your backcourt of the future? You're paying them around thirty-four million. I don't think that's in any way, that's a bad deal. Right. Yeah. I kind of have to disagree, though, because you still have Lonnie Walker. Like, Lonnie Walker, when he was healthy, dude, he was balling, man. Like, he was he was really good. And I think he he's definitely someone that they need to pay attention to. I think with this deal, they're kind of going away from that. I don't know if I like that decision from the Spurs, though. Because Derek White, I feel... Sorry, what were you saying? I was going to say that I don't know if they're necessarily neglecting Lonnie Walker. I think it's that they want to go full youth mode after this season. So I think Lonnie Walker is going to be somewhat in their lineup. They're going to add him. And they also have, what, Keldon Johnson, Lucas Samanek, 
they have a lot of young guys. So I think if you embrace the youth, I think there's a way to work around it. Right. Definitely, but there's but, just a lot of players at that, you know, one guard, two guard position that they yeah. have. They have a lot of potential. And I don't want them to kind of neglect that, you know, because Lonnie, I feel like a guy like Derek White uh, or Keldon Johnson, I think they have more, um, they have high, high floors, but not as high ceilings. You feel me? Like, yeah. I don't think that they could get and much, much better than they are right now. Right. Yeah, and that's why I feel like Lonnie Walker needs to be given more because Lonnie Walker he has a really high he has a super high ceiling. He could become like an all star caliber player, right? And I think they need to kind of develop him more in that aspect. They did it with Kawhi. They should start doing that and focus on Lonnie Walker to be that future. But the one thing that I'm confused about is after this year, do you go ahead with Pop? And if you don't, who do you bring in to replace him? Rude, like, I, like, are we even sure that Popovich wants to do this whole rebuild thing, right? Or does he even want to retire? Does he want to go somewhere else? It's, it's tough. Cause it's going to be interesting to see. You should just retire, man. <laughs> and, but then, is there a coach for the Spurs that will embrace that full youth movement, you know? Yeah. Like, mm, I feel like a lot of the good coaches are, are sort of taken now. But I mean, I feel like there's always going to be some hidden gems somewhere, right? Especially in Popovich's coaching staff. Is Tim Duncan willing to take the reins? Because he is on that assistant staff, right? Is he willing to take the reins after Pop is gone and kind of become the head coach? Uh, maybe the um, the other assistant head coaches of the um, Spurs? Maybe they take over? Um, I mean, who knows, man? And I think there's also Becky Hammond, right? I think she's also on. Yeah, yeah, she's the one. Yeah, I I think she's the one that should be uh, in the head coach position. Like, yeah, she. I think she's been with um, Pop the longest, and I think I don't know if you guys have seen the um, seen some clips, but you definitely see her going back and forth with Pop a lot. Right. Yeah. You see that she's, you know, getting a lot of um, information and sort of knowledge off of him, right? And yeah. I think there was like this one time where Popovich didn't want to use his um, his ch- coach's challenge, and Becky Hammond kind of convinced him to, and it worked out in the end, right? So it's yeah. just kind of showing those like kind of in- those coaching instincts and those instincts as a um, of a- just a good coach. And I think that she has potential to maybe take over as well. I'm sure she wouldn't say no. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I don't think anyone would say no, right? For sure. And I think it'd just be good for the league in general, just move forward, like with this whole, I guess, with like this whole social dynamic. But yeah, I, I think she would be the the first female head coach, right? If she is, I believe so. Yeah. So that would that would be pretty cool for the league as well in terms of a, in terms of pushing their social agenda forward. But yeah. Yeah, that's that. I think that's about it for the extensions, right? Yeah. Yes. So you guys want to talk about how Lonzo, Larry Markkinen, John Collins, and Jerry Allen? Yeah. Okay. You know what? Those are actually pretty important. So John Collins didn't get an extension. Markkinen didn't get an extension. I mean, Lonzo didn't was, get an extension. Yeah. And for me, it was all about Jared Allen, man. This this guy deserves an yeah. extension. Jared Allen didn't get an extension either. But that's yeah. interesting though, because maybe the Nets are looking to trade him. Who would trade Jared Allen? Like, are they gonna play DeAndre Jordan? Like, come on now. 
But they also have Claxton too. Claxton's a center, I believe. I mean, the thing with DeAndre Jordan is that you can't move him because he's the reason why KD and Kyrie signed there. Like yeah, he, exactly. To signing there, so you can't necessarily move DeAndre Jordan. And I don't think you can sign Jer Allen to that big contract right now because you haven't seen him play with the Stars. So that's, I think they're waiting. I think they'll re-sign him, but it will be in free agency. Perhaps, oh, yeah. Maybe. But I think they're also trying to give Nicholas Claxton a little bit of... Um, I think this is this move might give Nicholas Claxton a bit of a bit more minutes. I think he should get more minutes now. Um, you know, KD and you know all like a lot of the players on the Nets, Dinwiddie, they all talk about how good Nicholas Claxton is, right? But he hasn't gotten many minutes, like twelve and a half minutes in his rookie season. That's not a lot, right? Um, so this might be room to this might give them a chance to um go after like you can use jared allen as a trade piece to go after another star and maybe give claxton more minutes off the bench bring dj into the starting lineup right so uh it, we all have to wait to see it but i was shocked but the biggest thing i think i was shocked about was um i think john collins not getting an extension because he's on collins though because well, he, you know, bought... he averaged he like what, 21 yeah he averaged 20 yeah it's the thing that they brought in Gallinari. And you know with John Collins, the thing is, he's not necessarily someone you can play at the four. You have to play him right. at the center. He's a little undersized for the center, and he's not that good defensively. I think that's where the problem comes in this year for the Atlanta Hawks, is that where, where does everyone fit? You know, you brought in Gallinari. You have John Collins. You brought in Bogdanovich. So now where do they fit? Yeah. That's, that's the problem with the Hawks. So I think you ride out this year with uh, with John Collins. I don't know if he starts or if he comes out. I don't know what they do. Personally, personally, like I would start Gallinari, have John Collins come off the bench, but he still plays major minutes. Right. I mean, I'd yeah. still say Gallinari is a better fit off the bench because he's a better shooter. He's a good post player. I think that in the in the starting lineup, I think they're going to run a lot more motion offense this year because of the amount of shooters they have now. Right, you have um, like if they start Bogdanovich, right? He's a great shooter. He's a great pick and roll guy as well. Along with Trey Young, he's gonna alleviate some of that pressure. But they still have Hunter or Reddish, Collins, um, Click Capella too, right? Um, those pick and rolls are gonna be lethal. But that's also gonna lead to a lot more motion on the perimeter, a lot more shooters, a lot more open looks. So I think that if Gull- if you want to get the best use out of Gallinari, it would make sense to have him off the bench because, of course, he can run lineups with the starters, right? Because he's such a great shooter. But he's also a strong post player. And I think that's a really underrated aspect of his game that you don't see a lot of people talk about is that he's, his post play is actually amazing. He's tall, but he he's really tall for his position, you know, the small forward, power forward spot. And he can just straight up rise over smaller defenders. You saw that a lot in OKC where he, um, where he would come for the pick with... Um, any of the three guards on OKC, and then he would post up the smaller man and just rise up over them. Um, I think that's an aspect of his game that um, the Hawks should look into. And if they want to use that and get more out of it, definitely, I think the bench would be his best spot, personally, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, like, okay, continue. Yeah, I was about to just talk about Alonzo. Like, he has a lot of upside. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he should also get, get in, uh, a nice extension. With the Pelicans? I don't know. Like, it's Lonzo's just that he's kind of that player. He's like, he works really hard. You know, you know, his work ethic is there, right? But it's just that inconsistency. I think he's, I think he genuinely lacks confidence. 
there are times last season where Lonzo looked like a star. You know, when the shot is on point, where he when he's gaining confidence, right? He's a star. He's great defensively. Um, he's a good playmaker. Solid slasher. Not amazing, but he, as long as he can shoot, it's okay, right? But I feel like at sometimes he was just giving up shots and he wasn't. He was trying to get his guys going instead of take finding his own shot. Right? And when he started to take his own shot, right? If the first few missed, he just stopped, right? Yeah. But when he did when he when he didn't make those shots, it was helping the team a lot. And he was definitely becoming that star that we all thought he would be. So I think that's why the extension didn't come in for Lonzo. I'm not as surprised about that because I think I don't think it's the the extension like didn't happen on the Pelican side. I think it's more on Lonzo's side because I think he believes that he himself can get better, right? And he can get more money in free agency. Than he would off a rookie extension, to be honest. So for me, like Lonzo, he's for this year, he's definitely going to improve def- defensively because they brought in Stan Van Gundy, who's defensive-minded coach, right? For sure. So yeah. So he's for sure he's going to improve defensively. Uh, I don't know. Like the thing is, I don't know about his offense with Stan Van Gundy. Like, where where does he play? How does he play? And they brought in Eric Bledsoe, who's a veteran. Him and Lonzo are pretty much similar in a way. Both are streaky shooters. Um, they're yeah. both really good defenders. Yeah. Lonzo's a better playmaker and rebounder. So I I it's don't know I don't know how yeah I don't know how that lineup I don't know how they work with because there's a lot of uncertainty because you brought in Stephen Adams you have Jackson Hayes you have Zion so I don't know where that shooting comes in because for Lonzo you need shooters around him. Yeah, and I, and I think that they're just banking on him improving his shot in general, right? And kind of being able to form his own shot. Like in college, you know, he was he was a great shot maker, but he was also a great playmaker, not only for himself, but his teammates, right? Yeah. And I think they need to get, they want him to get back to that. That guy that, you know, can take pressure off of Ingram and Zion, right? That can run that pick and roll with Adams or Hayes, either or, and find his own shot. Because Adams and Hayes, they can't, they can't do anything. They're more rim runners. Right, yeah. maybe Stephen Adams can play a little bit in the low post, but uh, they want that Lonzo pick and roll to work with their centers, and Wait, he I needs wanna... to start finding his own uh, extension. Really okay, I think Larry Markkinen. There's not much to say because I think you just got to throw out the window because yeah. there, he would just put just disregarded Markkinen's other aspects of his game. So I think with Markkinen, you're gonna see a lot more of his old, you know, rookie, um, rookie stuff come back where he was really flourishing under Billy Donovan. I think Donovan's gonna do a yeah. much better job. Uh, finding a good role for him and i think that's that to be honest i think that's the reason why they just didn't give him the extension because they don't know yet what's going to happen yeah for me i think the perfect thing to do with martin is, is do what billy donovan did with Gallinari. you know yeah i mean perfectly because they can like i think uh billy donovan can mold a uh, laurie martin into that, that danilo Gallinari guy so he can he can play on the perimeter you can put him in the post a bit because he's what seven foot tall? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, can, I think he can definitely do work. And then if Wendell Carter, if he can p- improve his outside game, and you can also have you know, yeah, you sort of like a dual threat in out inside yeah. outside. You know, but you you sure. can have Larry Markin and you know play that inside game as well. I think he has to put on some weight. He has to put on some muscle because he's pretty thin. I don't pretty think he tight. can. Yeah, he's a twin. Yes, I don't think he can match up against other big men. But I think there's potential there. For sure. Because of his shooting ability. Okay, so the next thing would be the fantasy draft, but I think maybe we can leave that for the next episode because I think we are going a little overhead. Um, 
Yeah. I think we'll leave the fantasy draft. Maybe we'll make an entire episode on it next week. Sure. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, that whatever. Let's just go let's just go board. straight to the um awards, yeah. the predictions. Okay, so now cool. I think we're finally done the free agency news. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Nazim, are we missing something now? I don't think so. All right. So um now again so this is what four o'clock right now in a couple of hours the nba season will be starting so i think it's really important that we get to our predictions for this year seedings and awards um for seedings we're going one through ten because of the play-in tournament and for awards we're going to be doing top three and with dark horses um are you guys good who wants to start i'll start off with mvp so right. for me personally, MVP will be my MVP will be Luca, and the top mm. three will be Luca, AD, Damian Lillard, and then my dark horse for MVP is Jason Tatum. So Damian Lillard, top three in MVP. Yeah, I th- I think the the Trailblazers have potential to be a top three seed this year, with you know bringing in Robert Covington, and now they have this new they have this new system around them, you know. Right. Yeah, so I think I there's see. definitely potential. Yeah. Damn, and with, MVP for Lillard? That's crazy. Nah, That's yeah, yeah. my top three. He's top three. I, my, my MVP is Luka, but Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah. No, I get yeah. that. And uh, the Dark Horse, Damian Tatum, Tatum. I can see that, though. I can I can yeah, definitely yeah. agree with that on the Dark Horse for Jason Tatum. It all depends on how much, because I think the Boston, they have a very balanced attack. Right? And that's what kind of disallows for their players to kind of become MVP, if that makes sense. Right? But if he kind of if he kind of push himself forward into that conversation, you know, with like being the best player on Boston and the guy on Boston, right? And they make some noise in the Eastern Conference, I could see that happening. Like, so you know, with Raptors and Celtics series that we saw in the bubble, I think based yeah. on that, Adam has a way more potential than people thought he had. His playmaking sure. improved massively, and with you know, with Kemba out for the first month or so of the season, I think. Adam can easily go out dropping 30 pieces every day mm. and going out seven assists. You no, know, that's, that's a bit much. I mean, he's a good, he's a solid playmaker, but seven assists, that's crazy. I think he'd hover around maybe five, four to oh, we five, saw that to six, Raptors. maybe four. Like, I, th- I, think he, I think he can, I think he can get seven because we saw that against the Raptors. He was getting what? There was games where he got 10 assists and stuff. So I think there's there was a game. Yeah, like, there was. True. Yeah. But there was also games where like Karis LeVert was getting like literally Karis LeVert averaged like double digit assists against Raptors. I'm pretty sure he was he was getting above 10 assists like pretty much every game. Right. Yeah. I feel like um, you can't base it off of that series. Right. Like it, it, we're not going to go around saying that Karis LeVert's going to average like seven assists per game or some shit. Right. <laughs> like. I think there's still a little bit of work to do for Tatum on that playmaking side. I think he shows willingness to pass to the open man, but he, would, he I feel like he's definitely a lot more confident in his sidestep three-pointer, which he drains at such a high rate and is so killer. But I, I guess it's a way to be seen. I mean, who knows, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think your choices are pretty interesting. Damian Lillard, that's a bit of a surprise to me. But... I think they're pretty cool. I'm already going to guess Amatos. He's just going to say LeBron, yeah. LeBron, LeBron, yeah. LeBron. Yeah, oh. so for like uh, MVP, obviously LeBron James. I think it's oh, uh, this season is going to be like his last like proper season. He's going to go all out this season. And he's he's going to 
It's going to be nah, a year bro. to remember for LeBron and for he's going to tank, dude. I'm telling you, he's just going to yeah. tank the season yeah. and then he's going to yeah. go into the playoffs and be cool. But I think his season is going to be worse than last season. But I think it'll be a little bit better. But uh, Luca for me is a cool second, if not MVP. If you're right of LeBron tanking, then I got Luca MVP because I think he's going to average like close uh, to a, a triple double for sure, uh, a right. 30 point triple double for sure, maybe. And then right. uh, a third, I got Anthony Davis. He's going to develop. Right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, this guy's going to throw Lakers players into every section. I'm telling you right now, Nelson. No, no. Literally, it's like, yeah. D-point Anthony Davis. MIP, like, <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker or some shit. No, no, no. Coach of the Year, like, um, fuck it, man. Bogle. Literally. <laughs> no, but, like, uh, as a dark horse from MVP, I agree with Nazim. It's probably Jason Tatum, man. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna ball out this season for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yo, okay. So I I also put Luca as my MVP. I think this guy's just gonna go crazy. He's gonna become. He's already one of the best players in the league, top ten. Um, and that this is just the second season. This season he's gonna come out. He's gonna get better and better. Right. He's gonna take. I I think the only knack on Luca's game right now is the amount of volume threes he takes. Right. If he can become a little bit more efficient, he's definitely can go above 30 points per game. He's already averaging like eight assists, eight rebounds. He can definitely get that to 30 point triple double. Right. While being efficient. So I definitely think I think he's the face of the league. You know, uh, at this point, as LeBron goes away, you know, and retires, I think that Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, sure, he's won two MVPs, but I don't think a lot of people think of him as like the owner of the league. He, he can barely make it past the second round. Right. Yeah. So I think Luca is definitely going to be the future. Um, I think he has a great supporting cast with um, Kristaps Porzingis and with him, you know, with Porzingis being out for like the first couple months, first month or two. I think Luca's definitely going to um, ball out for sure. My second would be Steph Curry, because I think Steph Curry, if the, if the Warriors want to make the playoffs, if they want to make a splash in the playoffs and really cement themselves, um, Curry's gonna have to go back and rewind the clocks back to 2016, 2015, 2016. Oh. Right? He's gonna have to become that unstoppable, efficient um, monster on the offensive end. Right? He's gonna have to do a lot of the scoring. Even with Wiseman, he's just a rookie. Ubre, he's sure he can give you a solid 15 to 16 a game. Right? But he doesn't have any 20 point scorers anymore. Clay Thompson's gone. Draymond Green, forget it. Right? KD's gone. Right? It's just all up to Curry now, and he needs to get his numbers up if this team wants to float. And I think for that reason, the MVP could go to him. And then finally, I got my third place. I have LeBron James. I thought that was just a safe, safe bet. LeBron has been the best player in the league for the last decade. Okay. And he's going to stay the best player in the league. And I feel one of the best players in the league until he retires. I think this season, even though he's not good, I think this season is going to be similar to last season, maybe even a little bit worse, but I still think that without LeBron, that Lakers team just, like not of course they're just they're not gonna be who they are right and i think that all that credit goes to lebron james and so that's why he's my he's my third on my mvp and my dark horse could be a bit surprising but i got zion williamson really zion Um, yeah listen i think that you know just watching the preseason games that zion has been in he looks a lot more comfortable and just looking at his rookie year stats he averaged 23 a game in like 22 minutes Right. I mean, he also played like what, 14, 15 games. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. But even this season, he's come out, and I feel like he's changed his game. I, you know, 
I think he's realized realized something that's super important. You know, when you look at guys like Blake Griffin or Derek Rose, right? They're still amazing players right now, right? Great players, but they've changed their games and that's why, right? But they've come out of countless injuries, like so many, and that's what forced them to change their game, right? I think Zion, he's already started to morph his game a little bit. Of course, he's not a great shooter, but just the little things. He's taking a lot more layups and he's good with them. He's a great finisher through contact. He uses his body very well. But he, like in his preseason games, you didn't see him going up. Like it wasn't like every position, every possession he's going for a lob. He's taking yeah. it in the post. He's bullying his man and using his strength and speed to get past them and get to the rim for a layup. He's taking contested layups. He's making them against three defenders, right? That sort of shift right in gameplay style okay, it has to of course you have to give credit to stan van gundy but also to zion for realizing that you know if he doesn't change things now he's going to go down the road of derrick rose or blake griffin where he's going to go through countless injuries and that potential for a championship potential for mvps and individual accolades are going to go away because he's going to be too old by the time he changes his play style you know and mm. i think for that reason he's going to maintain his explosiveness He's going to maintain his strength and speed, but also he's going to be able to provide a lot more to the team. I can easily see him averaging 30 a game easily just because of yeah. how um, explosive he is. And the fact that he's just unstoppable because of his body. Yeah, and that's I why I, I just fear I, that they're not going to play him as much. You know how they, they play him in the bubble? No, he has like, no limits restrictions, though. Even Stan Van Gundy, he's like, I'm not giving him any lim- uh, thing, minutes restrictions. He's going to be full gold, like 30, 30, 35 minutes. I'd like to say between within there, like low 30s, I'd say. mid. So I think the Pelic- if the Pelicans can really uh, push themselves into like the middle of the Western Conference, I think he has a chance to, to win. Yeah, yeah my, thing with, my thing isn't about Zion. It's more about the Pelicans. I don't know if they're high, a high enough seed for him to be considered for MVP. That's my thing. Right. Yeah, again, it, that's why he's my dark horse. It really hinges on how well yeah. the Pelicans play, right? Yeah. You know, losing Drew Holiday was a huge blow, but I still think that George Hill and Eric Bledsoe are solid pieces. They could even trade one of them. I guarantee you, not guarantee, but I promise you that Eric Bledsoe is going to be traded by the end of the year. I have this big feeling, at least in the next two years, they're going to try to get him traded to another team. Maybe this season yeah. they ride him out, let him improve his trade value and trade him, but I do see them trying to trade him in the next two years. All right, let's move on to the defensive player of the year. If everyone's done with MVP conversations. Yeah, yeah so, so okay, um, I'm assuming you're yeah. just Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis again. Uh, no, no, no. It's actually, so yes, you're right with Anthony Davis. We actually yeah. got Giannis as the, <laughs> the finalist for yeah. defensive player of the year. Like, he's a solid uh, defender. And for my dark horse, I got Alonzo Ball. He's, mm. he's slept on. He's slept on. I think no, I think he is a good defender, but defensive player of the year—that's kind of crazy to me. I mean, he's gonna take a huge, huge step this year, in my opinion. Like in his uh, production and his defense. Watch out for him. I feel like in within uh, SVG's system, and now that Drew Holiday's gone, I think he's gonna be picking up a lot more of those perimeter assignments, right? That Drew Holiday used to take. Um, He's gonna get a lot more possessions with the best of the best offensive players in the league. Um, so yeah. I can definitely see that happening, but I don't know over guys like, um, you know, Anthony Davis, of course, or Antetokounmpo, even OG, right? Like it's going to be, that's interesting. I mean, of course it's a dark horse, but I, I don't know if I completely agree with that. 
but, but like yeah we'll see we'll see Nazem what about you what's your what's your defensive player of the year okay, so like I have Giannis winning it again and then I have my two finalists outside of Giannis are Ben Simmons and Marcus Smart and like mm, Ben Simmons uh, Amitaz, my dark horse is also Lonzo specific Lonzo oh, okay the new system the defensive system that's my main reason I had him in there right and then with Marcus Smart obviously we see, we know what he can do and I think yeah with Kemba oh I, I think like the one reason why Marcus Smart hasn't got enough consideration to be top three I think with Kemba beside when Kemba was beside him I think he took away some of what you know he took away some of what Marcus Smart could show you know because right Kemba right. was constantly being targeted because he's a you know defensive liability right now I think with Kemba being out for the first month and you know Marcus Smart getting constant starting minutes and he will probably be he'll probably play like the, the late fourth quarter minutes I think he mm-hmm. can definitely show his full potential and then with Ben Simmons I think bringing in Doc Rivers new defensive like we already saw how good Ben Simmons was like you know his versatility right. and yeah and he can pretty much regard anyone from one through four right he, he has he has the, the feet the quick the speedness uh he keeps the man in front of him and he's also a good team defender mm. yeah so my def- deploy picks are a bit similar but i do have a couple changes so my deploy is going to be anthony davis i thought he got snubbed last year yeah. um i think anthony davis is you know especially looking at him in the finals he took on like he has that deploy mentality you know i don't think that Giannis has that he Giannis is my second runner up but I don't think Giannis has that mentality that Anthony Davis has. When Jimmy Butler dropped that 30-point triple-double in the finals, Anthony Davis is like, nah, like, I am, I'm going to guard him. He was yelling in the locker room. He was, he was, um, you know, irate. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to guard... I'm going to guard him on the perimeter next time. And guess what happened? They won the next game, and Jimmy Butler did not do as well as he did, right? And I don't even remember what game it was, but he didn't play as well as his 30-point triple-double, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Giannis in the playoffs against Miami, right? He never took it upon himself to say, I'm the defensive player of the year. I'm the MVP. I'm going to guard the best player on the team. He's like, no, I'm just going to go with what the coach tells me, right? And that just tells to me, that just tells me that you and yourself are not confident enough. Like you don't feel that you are the best defensive player in the league. And I think that mentality goes along with that award, right? And that's why I thought Anthony Davis was snubbed. And I think, you know, that mentality that Anthony Davis has to, to prove that he's the best defensive player in the league, I think that's going to make him come out and win that. Also, voter fatigue. I don't think they're going to vote for Giannis back-to-back, right? Yeah. He's not a Kawhi Leonard-type defender, right? He's good, but he doesn't have that mentality to keep bringing it on the defensive end. He's more of an off-ball defender. And that's why I think he's not going to win. But my third runner-up is OG Ananobi. And... I think, again, OG has been improving every single year. He's always been a great defensive player, right? And I think that he's going to, again, turn a lot of heads this year. He's gonna, a lot of people are going to be looking at him like, whoa, this guy is a really good defender. And that's why I got him up here um, at number three. And my dark horse, actually, I, I, I was thinking about this. Like, I didn't know who to make it, right? I was, I was kind of bouncing around, but I think that this player definitely could have a shot, and that's Robert Covington. I think now on the Blazers, 
he's going to be the primary defender for a lot of different schemes because I feel like there's only really two good wing defenders. Derek Jones is a solid defender on the wing, but Robert Covington is going to be the main wing in the starting lineup, I'd like to say, right? And that Portland team has atrocious defense, right? They don't have that great of defenders, especially now that, I mean, Hassan Whiteside was a pretty overrated defender, but still, you know, he still brought some blocks per game. And with him gone, I think they're going to have to heavily rely on Robert Covington for a lot of perimeter and interior defense. Um, I think in the regular season with the the Rockets last year, you kind of saw that Robert Covington at times could play small ball. Small ball doesn't work for as a permanent you know strategy, but at times if Portland wants to go small, they can bring in Robert Covington and his versatility is going to show. And I think that's why Robert Covington could definitely he's you know he's my dark horse pick for defensive player of the year. So my one thing with what you said about Robert Covington is that you said he could be the primary defender. I don't. I don't think Robert Covington is a primary defender. I think he's more of a system, a team defender. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. Within the team, you know how like the Raptors, they never had that one main primary defender. They had more of a system around their defense. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so I, so I think Robert Co- Covington, he's more of a team slash system defender. I don't know if you can necessarily give him that primary that defensive. Uh, what do you call? I don't think you can give, uh, make go, put him make him guard number one option on the other team. I don't think he doesn't have the. He's not quick enough. I think if he comes up against many point guards, he won't be quick enough to, you know, keep them at the three point line, keep them in front of him. Right. I don't think he has right. that within him. I mean, again, that's why he's the dark horse, right? I think that he has to. I think he does. Me personally, I do think he has that ability to guard the best player on the other team one on one, right? Um, if if he of course may not have the foot speed, but he has the strength and size to guard against um, the point guards. I feel like him and his and his physicality, right? He can impose his physicality onto um, perimeter players, more specifically guards. Of course, he's not the strongest player, but just him being a small forward or forward player that can play um, three to five, right? Um, I think that's going to be what sort of helps him get to that. Um, defensive player position, especially if they play him in a small ball role at times, right? I think that's why Robert Covington is going to help. But I personally do believe that he can be a good one-on-one defender. But again, we're going to have to see because he's going to get a lot of assignments because yeah. I don't think Terry Stotts has a great defensive plan, right? He's he's. I don't think he. you could say he's known. He's not a good defensive specialist, right? His offensive sets are more reliant on Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum ISOs right um Mm -hmm. but and picking roles so i don't think i think he's just going to kind of put robert covington on the best defender and hope for the best offensive player and hope for the best he's his he's very simple in that manner but i mean we'll see i guess when the season starts Mm -hmm. uh for next up is most improved player of the year i think i'm gonna go first for this one because i feel like my picks are a bit out of the blue so my first is Andrew Wiggins. I think Andrew Wiggins will win the most improved player of the year award. I think a lot of, as I said before, for my MVP, if Golden State wants to be amazing, Steph Curry needs to have that like marvelous season. He needs to have that 2016 season again, right? But even in that 2016 season, he had Klay Thompson, who was averaging like 20 points per game. Right. Andrew Wiggins needs to be that guy. He needs to be that consistent player that can take that pressure off of Steph Curry. 
right? Even if Steph Curry is having an insane season, he's going to attract so much attention that literally Andrew Wiggins is going to have, he has to get better, right? Steph Curry's gravity, I think, is the most impactful on a team in not in the league right now. I'm not going to say in history because I don't want to get, I don't want to, you know, spark that argument, but I feel like his gravity is the most, um, how do I say this? It's the most, like you need to like he's a player that you need to focus on the most in the league. I feel he's like if you if you lose track of Steph Curry, there's no one else in the league that's gonna burn you more than him, right? And that's why he attracts yeah. so many defenders, and it's gonna force Wiggins to get going. Honestly, I think Wiggins is gonna be put in a state where he's gonna be perfect for this offensive system, right? Steve Kerr has turned around so many players, his careers. Javale McGee, um, Leandro, not Leandro Barbosa, sorry, Javale McGee, um, Andrew Bogut, right? A lot of these players that were known as just regular role players or even like sub tier, he's made them into reliable, constant threats, right? That you gotta watch out for. Like Javale McGee is a great pick and roll partner now. Right. And that's why he um, that's what led him to, you know, the Lakers and playing solid on the Lakers. Of course, now he's on the Cavs, which just kind of sucks, but he's still yeah. a solid player in the league now. Right. And I think Andrew Wiggins, he's above the solid player in the league. I think people underrate him a lot, but he's been a career 20 plus point scorer. Right. He is a great scorer. It's just about how you use him. I don't think the Timberwolves put him in a great spot. They kind of just gave him the ball and let him chuck shots with Steve Kerr. He's going to put a lot more discipline into um, Andrew Wiggins' shot selection and with Curry having so much gravity, I think it's just going to make it easier for him and that's why I think he's going to win MIP. Next up, I have OG Ananobi. Um, he's my runner-up because I think that OG is going to take a big step forward. Um, we've seen him in the preseason that he feels, I feel like he's getting a lot more confident in dribbling and um, trying to create for himself one-on-one. -on -one. He's not perfect yet. He's not amazing. But he is going to get better and he is gaining that confidence. And as that confidence grows, I feel like he'll just get better and better. And then finally, I have Gordon Hayward. Um, I think Gordon Hayward is definitely going to... I think he has like a high potential to bring the Hornets back to the playoffs and getting back to his like Utah Jazz self where he averaged 20-plus 20 20 points per game. I think he can easily go back to that. He had a great season last, last year with the Boston Celtics. As like a fourth option, he was averaging like 17 points per game on pretty good shooting splits as well. So I think that's why he's my MIP. And for Dark Horse, I don't think I don't think anyone's gonna see this coming, but I have Svi Mikhailuk from the Detroit Pistons. This guy was going crazy in the preseason. Um, he was lighting it up from three. He definitely looks like he's great catch and shoot coming off screens. He reminds me of like this. A Duncan Robinson type player, JJ Redick, right? Just a good shooter off screens. And I think he's gonna he's gonna score a lot of points this season from behind the line. And I think NBA just need to watch out, guys. He's coming. Svimo Kailuk is coming for you. I, I can easily see him averaging with between 15 to 18 points per game just by looking at how um sweet his shooting stroke is. Um yeah, he's my dark horse to win MIP. What about you guys? What are you guys thinking? Um, I'm thinking MIP Jamal Murray, right? He's going to develop into like... A, You're saying that because he's on your fantasy team. Shut up. Bro, guys, Yo, we saw him in the bubble, bro. Like, okay, he... Like, last season, he was very inconsistent. Like, some 
like some games he had like eight points, another game he had like thirty. I, I feel like this season he he found his he found his role in the Nuggets, and he's just gonna go off. Like I'm thinking he's gonna average at least twenty eight this season. Right? Twenty eight. Yeah. He, he, Are he, you tried? Yo, he's a he's a natural scorer, bro. Oh, no, you're telling me he's gonna go from 18 points from 28 points when Nikola yeah. Jokic is still on the team. That's when you when saying. you have Bull Bull on this team, when you have Michael Porter on this team, Nikola no. Jokic, like most importantly, you think he's gonna average 28 a game? That's insane. I can't agree he with that. He will what the hell? Out. He will ball out. No, that, that's that's your that, that, you're just thinking that because you're begging he does well because he's on your fantasy team. Don't no. don't don't. <laughs> don't lie to me. Don't tap to me, bro. Nah, but literally, and then uh, as my second pick, I got OG like you. I mean, like yeah, with uh, with like a lot of players gone, he's gonna get a lot of minutes. With Ibaka gone, with the Saul gone, he's gonna get a lot of minutes. He's uh, it's his time to shine now, and I feel like he's gonna develop into like a proper piece for the Raptors. And as a, as a dark horse, I have an, I have another nugget in uh, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. Oh, I also think that he's gonna develop like OG into like a proper a proper proper player like he did in the Lakers series, right? Like he didn't play like out of his mind, but he played his role. And I feel like in in this season he's gonna go a bit over that, which is why I have him as the dark horse. He definitely has potential. I think that it's just like he doesn't have the IQ. Like I think that's I think um Mike Malone was saying that a lot. That um there were like rumors that Michael Porter barely knew the playbook, right? Like yeah. 30, 40 games into the season, which is kind of disappointing and kind of concerning, right? He did play well at times in the bubble, but not well enough to I think merit an MIP. I mean, again, we gotta we're gonna have to see how his work ethic is because that's what's questionable right here is he does he have a good work ethic does he really have passion is he passionate enough to to look past his um his potential and actually start working right he kind of reminds me of andrew wiggins in that sense is he gonna work hard right those are the things that worry me but i mean we'll see i guess what about you i agree with um and for me i have my and most improved winner, I have no, I have Michael Porter Jr. As you know, Jeremy Grant's left, he left, so now that spot's open up for him, right? He's going to be the starting small forward, right? And with you know, we saw in the bubble that offensively he's amazing, he has so he has mountain of potential, right? He, he can become you know, like that you know, number two, number three scoring option for that Nuggets for the Nuggets team, averaging what maybe close to 18 points per game. And yeah, not only that, it's just that I think the one problem with him is that his defensive ability, you know, he looks clueless on defense, doesn't know what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, all the time his man's left open, you know, and yeah, I think over time he can definitely improve. But yeah, I, I know for sure this year, I think his scoring would take a massive jump. We saw that in the bubble. Yeah. Again, I'm just still questioning about his IQ. Can it really you know, hold them off for like an entire season? Is he really going to put in that effort to become, you know, the guy, right? Is he going to put the effort in to become smarter? And yeah. that's most yeah. important to me, I think, as an NBA player, right? Because um, down the line, yes, your talent could take you so many places. But, you know, if your shot selection is garbage, if you 
Um, if you're just chucking stuff up, you're not making the right passes, you're turning the ball over, right? That's that all comes with IQ, and that's what worries me about Michael Porter Jr. Right? But yeah. I mean, again, we're gonna have to see, but it's interesting. Okay, so okay, so after MPJ, my second would be OG. Obviously, we already talked about how good he's he looks to be. Yeah, so I agree. He's, with just that. Gonna, he's just gonna continue improving. My third would is be Trent Jr. We saw in the bubble how Trent good he looked, Jr. and I and I think um, he definitely fits into like he could be that he he's definitely gonna be the sixth man for them. And offensively, he brings it all, and defensively, he looks great too. And yeah, my for sure. Horse, my dark horse is actually Kevin Porter Jr. I think if he gets the minutes, then he's definitely up there because he has so much scoring potential. That he just needs t- minutes to show to showcase that, you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I agree with him. I can, I can see yeah, that happening. And, you know, the Cavs are a young team, so I think he should definitely get playing time this year. Yeah, I think we need to get Kevin Love out of there first and first most. First most, like. They need to get Kevin Love off that team, get some assets back from draft picks, whatever it might be. Um, his trade value is running out, so they definitely need to get him to like a contender who's willing to give up picks. But yeah, uh, but so yeah, guys, that's that's for MIP. Now let's let's try to get this. Uh, let's try to go quickly here. So we got Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Sixth Man of the Year. Yeah, so Coach. Coach of the year. Um, okay. Oh, All right, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. So I got Mike Malone first because I think the Nuggets are going to be pretty strong this year. And again, if, if one of your, your guys is MIP candidates, right? If the, one of those players is the MIP candidates, I can definitely see Mike Malone winning coach of the year. The next, I got Monty Williams. I think that Phoenix is going to take a huge jump this year, of course, with Chris Paul. Um, and I think whatever system Monty Williams puts in place, I think he should get credit for them making the playoffs. And of course, with, with the eight and zero bubble, right. I think he did a great job with the group and yeah, that's why. And then my last is just a safe pick, Eric Spolstra. Um, I think he should be given more credit for his work with Miami, um, with Jimmy Butler in the finals. And I think he can replicate that again this season. Um, the Miami zone was one of the most terrifying things probably for an, for an NBA offense to go through. And that's all Eric Spolstra. So if he can keep going, keep being a consistently good coach, I can definitely see him win. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then my dark horse is Doc Rivers. Now, it, it, that's like the least dark horse, dark horse. Yeah. Like he's not some crazy, it's not like Svi Makai Luke or something. But I think that we all expect Philly to hover around the middle of the Eastern Conference. But if Philly can make a push to the top of the East, like top three seeds, right? I can definitely see, like, I, I Doc Rivers should definitely win head coach, you know, coach of the year, because um, it would definitely be more him than the players, because they would have made it by now if it wasn't for a good coach, and they need that, and they have it. So that's my dark horse for that reason. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, like, you, you guys can say always oh, a Lakers fan stuff, but uh, for me, it's Frank Vogel, right? Even if you have LeBron yeah. on your team, like, it's hard to get, like, a team to number one in such a good West Western Conference, right? I feel LeBron James. It's pretty simple, bro. Yeah, I mean, look, it, with, with the field in the West, like, it, it's it's so hard to get the first seed. So I, I think if uh, Frank Vogel can repeat that, that's uh, that's an automatic coach of the year type thing for me. Uh, in in but in in this award, I actually have two dark horses. So first, we have uh, Stephen Silas for the Houston Rockets. 
with all the right. adversity they're facing, right? If you can get them to like a four or five seed, I think he he should be the coach of the year over Frank Vogel, right? With all that sure, adversity, yeah, I think that's pretty. I think he's pretty then, underrated. Right yeah, and then my second dark horse is Lloyd Pierce for the Hawks. I think yeah. they have like a pretty nice squad with Rajon Rondo, uh, uh, Gallinari, and like with all the other uh, Trey Young, right? He, he's hundred percent an average, like over thirty this season. Jesus so I God, think, you're just throwing yeah. thirty out there. You're saying Jamal Murray's gonna go twenty eight? No, <laughs> thing. No. I expect Trey Young to average less points because of how many scorers he has around him now. But like, damn, thirty points per game for Trey Young. Yeah. That's Trae just throwing Young, yeah. out just numbers out here. Just like you get thirty points per game, and you <laughs> get thirty points. It's like opera out here, bro. Opera yeah. out here. I think yeah, if Lloyd Pierce can get his team to like a, I mean, even like a, a five or six seed, I think that's good enough for the Hawks. Yeah, I, I agree with your dark horses more than I agree with your head coach. I don't think Frank Vogel is going to win at this point. He's already won a championship. And I think because of that, they're already going to say, oh, they're already a good team. Like, they don't, like, you know, it doesn't matter if he's a good coach or not. It's already a good team. You know, you already have, you know, one of the greatest minds in basketball, LeBron James, right? He could run the show if he wants, you know? But yeah, I agree. I agree with Lloyd Pierce and um, Steven Silas for sure. So, coach of the year, what do you, who you got? <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. So for coach of the year, my first, uh, my winner is Rick Carlisle because I think the Mavericks can push for the, they can be the number two seed. Because mm-hmm. you know, last year we already saw they had the greatest offense of all time. Yeah, in terms of offensive rating. Yeah. yeah, they can easily replicate that this year. So yeah, for sure. And then my second would be uh, Frank Vogel because you know I I predict that the Lakers are going to be the number one seed. And if you're a top, and if you're number one seed, you're obviously going to get coach of the year consideration. Right. With Mike Bernholzer, that's the same story. I think the Bucks are going to be the number one seed in the East. So, yeah. yeah. And my dark horse. I don't think they're going to yeah, win, but I can definitely see them as candidates. But I don't think they're going to win Bud and yeah. Vogel. Yeah, because yeah, because their team's going to be the number one seed, I think they definitely get consideration for that. Right. And then and who's for my dark horse? horse it's the uh, same with Amitaz. It's Lloyd Pierce. I think if, this, mm. if the system works out and if everything gels together, I think then they can easily be, you know, push for that. I don't know if top four, but they can definitely push for the lower four. So like the five, six, seven, eight seed, somewhere between there. I think they can definitely get those seeds if everything gels together. Okay. I I can agree with that. I can see that happening for sure. Um, Yeah, I like those picks. I don't don't like Vogel winning Amatos. I don't think he's going to win at all. That's that's your bias right there. (laughs) Sure, sure, um, sure. I don't think so. But okay, so now on to rookie of the year. I'm not gonna forget you this time, Nazem. Um, so you're gonna go first. So you, okay. I make sure you don't okay. so forget for you. Me, for me, my rookie of the year is gonna be Lamelo because I think the most important thing about Lamelo is that when he's not scoring, he's still effective for the team. You know, whether it's his right. play, you know, his playmaking's like okay. Before he got drafted, I was thinking that his playmaking's overrated. But what you what we saw against the Raptors, you know, his playmaking is elite. He can he can make plays that no one's expecting, you know. Yeah, I think for a rookie a to do, he has definitely great vision. Yeah, and I think with bringing in Gordon Hayward, I think that team gets better. And as the Hornets get better, I think Lamelo is going to get more consideration for that Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second would be Obi Toppin. I think he looked amazing in preseason, and oh, yeah, he, he for had. Sure. And he, I liked he him in the like a, Yeah, he had that high IQ, you know, that high IQ player. 
you know, that model. Yeah. Whether it was his um, cuts, you know, baseline cuts in the post, he showed mm-hmm. that he could do a lot offensively. And I think he's also an underrated game. passer too. Like he was finding the, he was willing to pass the open guys. He was able to find the open guys as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like, like him too. Really yeah. I feel like he's, he's a little bit better than RJ Barrett. I, th- I think they can work together really well. I don't know who's better than who, but I think they can really mesh together really well because yeah. like uh, you said, you know, Obi Toppin can pass. RJ, hopefully he can improve his passing ability. I think they can work He's together. just an overall good pick and roll operator too, RJ. Yeah. Obi Toppin can, you know, handle the ball a little bit. So can RJ, right? I think that'll make a really dynamic pick and roll with like a lot of versatility. Um, like you know, you can you can run RJ pick and roll, dumps it off to um, you know, Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin can do a couple of dribble moves here and there, get it to the open man, make his own shot. RJ goes yeah. to the rim with his own. Maybe he passes it to Obi Toppin, and then RJ does a little cut. Right? There's so many different opportunities, so many infinite different possibilities with the pick and roll, especially with someone who can, if you have a big man who can dribble and pass, right? And RJ's already like you know we've seen last season that one of his highlights were uh, like highlights that were. Where that, you know, he's a great pick and roll operator. He just needs to tighten his handle a little bit, right? And get better shooters around them, which I think the um the Knicks have done a decent job of doing this offseason. Like they, you know, they have Reggie Bullock already bringing in Opie Top and he can shoot, right? Kevin Knox will definitely get more minutes this year because he was balling out in the preseason. So he's a good shooter. You know, if you're getting those shooters around RJ, uh, and you know what? It should be a good I think the Knicks are moving in a good direction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my number three is James Wiseman because, you know, if he fits into the Warrior system, he's he's gonna look lights out. Because with Steph Curry, if, if that pick and roll works, I mean, if that pick and roll works, they're gonna do lots of work. You know, because for sure have uh, what do you call Steph Curry attracting so many defenders, and then that's a lot of the time that's gonna leave James Wiseman open, and it'll give him easy lobs. You know, to finish off or you know just work down both. Mm-hmm. And he's shown that he has, you know, somewhat of a shoot, shooting potential. So hopefully, if that if he can work on that, then he could be really good, you know. And you know, right. with Draymond also, you know, Draymond underrated passer. I think they could do something between those two guys as well. Mm-hmm. And then my dark horse is Tyrese Halliburton. I think I think if Buddy um I I think if Buddy Hield gets moved, I think he's definitely up there. Tyrese Halliburton. Um, right. He showed, you know, great two-way ability. He can he can ball handle. He can play make. So he can do everything that the, the Kings needed, you know, out, outside of someone that's Jaren Fox, you know. He, he, could, he could run that second unit for them perfectly. Yeah, I think um, we can mention that we can talk about this a little more next week. But with these whole buddy healed situation in Sacramento, right? Um, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to get traded, right? Like, I just don't think that buddy healed is a great fit beside De'Aaron Fox, yeah. but I think Tyrese Halliburton would be a bit better as a two guard. He can, he's a good yeah. shooter like Buddy Heald, but he can also take like a little bit more ball handling than Buddy Heald as well. And I think he has a bit more defensive potential as well, yeah. just because he's a rookie and he's a little bit more focused, I feel, than Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald yeah. is not that focused, but yeah, I think I definitely agree with that for sure. And like one um, more thing with the Kings is that I think they have to fire Luke Walton. After Facts. what we saw last year, it was a disaster. Their offense yeah. was a disaster. He doesn't have that great of a system. Like, uh, yeah. it's, 
it is what it is, but they're going to have to find a coach. But I think there's a huge coach drought going on right now. It's going to have to come internally, but I don't know if I, I trust Luke Walton's coaching staff, you know? I don't know. To, for them to hire internally, right? Like, I don't think they're that great. But yeah, um, yeah it's there's you we're going to have to see, I guess. But I mean, maybe someone like David Black could come in make some you know discipline right make some sets he would be even a decent improvement i know lebron got him fired but i did think that he was a decent coach right you know even though he got fired from the Cavs, i don't think that was mainly because he was a bad coach but i think it was more that lebron wanted that right Mm -hmm. i think he's a solid coach that could get another nba chance to coach possibility it's always someone from college you know True, or also someone from college too. Yeah, but a lot of college coaches they usually like to stay like the big ones, at least like Kalapari, Krzyzewski. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I guess. I'm so. Uh, uh, What's your what's your rookie? We got to We got to speed this up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, I agree with uh, Nazan for Lamelo Ball being the rookie of the year. You know, I really like how he plays. I I wanted him on my fantasy. Probably gonna make a trade for him, but. Uh, and then as the finalist, it's either James Wiseman or, or Anthony Edwards. I'm leaning towards more Anthony Edwards because I feel like he, he, he has a good fit in Minnesota. And I feel like he'll add on to the team. And as a dark horse, I actually have uh, Isaac Okoro. He seems like a great fit. He had a, he, I think he, he also had a game winner, right, for the Cavs right. in the preseason. So I feel like he's going to develop into a really good player as well, along with the other two I mentioned. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know about Anthony Edwards, man. I'll talk about a, like a little bit more when I get to my list, but like I, I just don't really like Anthony Edwards' game. Like It's good, but it's just like it, his so- shot selection was horrible. I think he needs to learn basic, fundamental offensive principles. I don't think he understands those quite well yet. I mean, of course, he had to carry a huge load um, in college for his team, but I still don't think he understands fundamental spacing principles, fundamental um, cutting and like, you know, just like off ball movement, right? That is still yet to be seen. His IQ is quite raw. And I mean, we're going to have to see more of it as the season goes by, but that's like the only reason why I don't have him in my, in my selections for rookie of the year. I believe that Isaac Okoro will win the rookie of the year award and this is kind of crazy because i clown the Cavs so much on draft night for picking him up when there was so many other small forwards left right but you know looking at him in the preseason it's not that just that he scored 18 points in a game winner in his first game right i'm not even looking at that because preseason stats they can be inflated sometimes because you're not playing against the best you're not playing against the final form of the team like the lakers aren't playing their best players if you're playing against the lakers just as an example right um, but what I liked was his confidence and his demeanor. Like he has a solid shot, right? He has he, but he, the most important thing is that he is active on the defensive end. He's he's trying his best. He runs the floor very well. He's always trying to get up and down the floor. His just his. I feel like he just has passion when he plays, right? Especially at the defensive end, and I think that's really important for a rookie. And then on offense, he's confident. He takes his shots. He catch and shoot. Guy in front of him takes it makes it right even if he doesn't he goes back on the next possession and he tries his best right he's always giving it his all and he looks confident while he's doing it 
And not to mention that, not to mention that he actually has some pretty good skill on the offensive end as well. As I said, his shot, right? He does have a couple dribble moves in his arsenal as well. Um, his cutting, he's pretty, he's a pretty good cutter off the ball. Um, so that's why I think Isaac Okoro will definitely win. My second spot goes to Lamelo, and the reason, I mean, listen, I, I think I was thinking of having Lamelo first, but the thing is that Lamelo's shooting scares me. He went like what I think twelve of 39 from the field in the preseason i think i saw a 12 of 49 right his shooting scares me because i feel like that will be his biggest downfall like his brother lonzo i think he has a lot more potential than lonzo because of he's just his bigger size um his amazing playmaking i think that's why he's gonna be in the top three for rookie of the year but i don't see him winning it with his horrible jump shot form that is very inconsistent if he gets that changed, however, and if he's able to be more consistent in terms of scoring, I think he can definitely win. And then my third place is Obi Toppin, just for like how Nazem was saying, you know, he's versatile. He can dribble. He can shoot. He's like, it's yet to be seen if he can, you know, really defend well. But on the offensive end, he looks good. And then yeah. I have two dark horses, actually, for rookie of the year. So first one, I mean, you guys can guess this. It's Malachi Flynn. <laughs> I think if, he, if he's given the opportunity, he's going to turn a lot of heads, man. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, he looked good in the preseason. Trust me, bro. He's got the shot. He's got the defensive instincts. He's got a decent. He's got a decent pick and roll for a rookie, right? He was. He was honestly the best college point guard. Honestly, he was one of the best college college point guards. I can't believe he fell to number twenty nine. Um, in his conference, he was the best player, right? And he showed it time and time again with clutch shots. And honestly, a lot of that has translated to the NBA in the preseason. He's hitting, he has range. He can get in the paint. He knows how to make good decisions. And I like that about him a lot. And then my other dark horse is Emmanuel Quickly. He's the rookie for the New York Knicks. And he had a really good game against the Cavs in the preseason. But what I really liked was that he has good size and he knows how to use it well. Right, he's a really long, agile point guard, but he has a really soft touch around the around the paint. He doesn't go. He knows that he can't hang with the bigger guys, but he has a really good floater. Right, and getting that floater down early in your career, I think that's really important. Right, and he gets that really well. He also he's also a good shooter. Usually, you see a lot of young, young long guards are more slashers, but he also is a really good shooter. And another thing is that he's also a really good passer. He finds the open man consistently. Um, I mean, I know it was the game was against the Cavs and we have limited intel on him, but I think he, he, the, the league's got to watch out for them because um, if he's given more minutes at the point guard position, which I think he should be because the Knicks really need to develop that point guard spot now, right? And they need to choose who they want to use, whether it's Frank or um, DJ, DSJ or Emmanuel quickly. They're going to have to decide, but I think he's definitely going to be a, a player to watch out for. Yeah, the one thing with Emmanuel quickly is with the Knicks is that their whole that point guard position is odd. You know, you have Alfred Payton that they resigned. You have, yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, you have Nelikina and DSP. So that's where that's where my one problem comes in. It's just that their point guard position is so clogged. Yeah, again, it, I think it just comes back to who, who, who they're going to choose, right? And I think there's a high chance that Emmanuel quickly does make the main roster. Right, and he's not going to be like a G League or two way player because I think he definitely shows strong potential, and that's why again I have him as a dark horse. If he gets a lot of minutes, I definitely can see him in the top three at least. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, six man of the year. 
So <laughs> for me, I mean, for me, I have two candidates for six man of the year, Danilo Gallinari or Bogdan Bogdanovich. And then my third candidate is whoever becomes the Hawks six man. Literally, I feel like whoever they choose as their six man, the Hawks team is so deep right now. Um, I think whoever ends up being their six man of the year or whoever becomes their six man off the bench um, is going to win the win the award. Mm-hmm. And then my dark horse is George Hill. Um, okay, yeah. I think that, you know, George Hill had a great shooting season last season and like the last two seasons, he's been a really good shooter for the Bucks. Um, and I think if the Pelicans can make a strong push, a lot of that is going to be dependent on their bench because the, the Pelicans are a really young team. And if Bledsoe and Hill off the bench can, you know, run things and be that strong veteran leadership, I think especially Hill because of his lights out shooting, he could definitely be a, a candidate. But yeah, yeah. that's, that's my sixth out of the year. Uh, I got, got <laughs> Danilo Gallinari as my sixth man of the year. Um, yeah. I mean, you can also make a case for Lou Williams, right? I mean, he's, he's always going to be in the race because yeah. he's, he's he's like the sixth man, one of the best six men to ever yeah. play the game. I mean, he's right. like a straight up scorer, you know, has a nice shot. And that's my dark horse. I have uh, Jordan Clarkson, right? He's no, like, uh, yeah, like, I mean, he's a great player and he's he, he has a pure shot. Right, and I feel like if he if he develops into this new role, and I feel like uh, he he can be like a winner in this award for sure. Right, I, I think the only thing about Clarkson for me is that he's a really volume shooter. Like he takes a lot of shots. Right, that's why yeah. I didn't pick him up in my fantasy either because I feel like he's gonna reduce the amount of points he has because of how many shots he takes. Right, his percentages aren't like out outstanding. You know, he, he takes a lot of shots to get his points. But I can definitely see him win six man of the year, especially if Utah, you know, starts to come into its own. And if Utah can really burst out in the West, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement. A lot of room for improvement. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I think that's all the awards covered. Um, There were some pretty surprising picks here and there, I think. But I do believe that everyone that we've mentioned has a pretty strong chance of making it. Um, Luca for MVP, I think that's like, a guarantee yeah. I feel almost yeah, right. I think all of us had Luca as like a front. Yeah, runner. as yeah. like a number one at least. Yeah. But now I think it's now it's time for the seedings. The final segment of our first Wired Hoops podcast, the seedings. Uh Mamatos, so what are you thinking for the Eastern Conference, man? So I got the Bucks number one. And then I got the the Celtics and I got the Nets. Then I got the Heat, the Raptors number five. And then we got the Philadelphia 76ers at number six. Then surprising, surprising pick. I got the Hawks number seven, mm-hmm. and then the Wizards number eight. And then and what about your nine and ten? Did you do nine and ten? Yeah, I did. And then I got Orlando Magic at nine, and the Hornets at ten. Okay, all right, that's interesting. So uh, my list is pretty similar to yours. So for mine, I have the Bucks first because I feel like they're always going to be they're they're a good regular season team. Yeah. That's not going to change under Coach Bud still, right? They brought in Drew Holiday. They're going to stay at the top. For me, though, second seed, I got the Nets because I thought the Nets were looked really good in the um in the preseason. But of course, preseason was a lot more of just getting used to stuff. It all depends on yeah. Steve Nash's uh, schemes. But I do think that Brooklyn is going to be the second seed. Then I got Boston. Um, Boston's always going to be a consistent top three seed. We know this. Um, they have a really, uh, you know, they have a really good team. But and then number four, call me biased, but I got the Raptors. 
right? Okay. I do yeah. think that the Raptors are going to maintain their strong playoff seating. Sure, they might fall out of the top three. They've been a. T- I don't. I don't think you. Fun fact: the Raptors have not been, not been the second seed since like what five years now, six years. They've been in the top three. They've been number two in the East since for five years now. There's strong consistency to that. And I think that's going to continue. Dude, every single year, people say Raptors. Yeah, they're they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, they're, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, every single yeah. year they, they prove everyone wrong. They're a solid regular season team for sure. And you know, I think this team's going to be do do just fine in the regular season. At number five, I have the Miami Heat. So I think the Miami Heat are definitely more of a playoff team. They'd like to turn it on in the playoffs, but for the regular season, I think they're going to just maintain a mid seed, right? Um, but who knows? Maybe things changed. Like last season, Miami got better throughout the season, right? And that's why they made the playoffs. Maybe this season they go and they get a top three seed. But for now, I got them at the fifth. Number six, I got Philly. Um, I don't think Philly's gonna be that great this season, even under Doc Rivers. Um, I hope they surprise me. But at the same time, I just feel like that Ben Simmons and Bead fit, it's just not perfect. It's not great. They don't have that yeah. many shooters around them. I, I really like that they traded for Seth Curry. Um, I think it gives them, and Danny Green, because it gives them a, a lot more needed shooting. But at the same time, um, it really just depends on how they do this whole thing with Ben Simmons and Embiid, because mm-hmm. I don't know if they fit well together. Um, number seven, same as you, I got the Hawks. I think the Hawks are going to definitely make the playoffs. And they have potential mm-hmm. to overtake you know, Philly and go up to the sixth seed for sure. Yeah, agreed. My number eight seed is going to be the Indiana Pacers. I think the Indiana Pacers, they're going to take a little bit of a hit because Oladipo did not look very good after coming back from his injury. Um, of course, he was, I think he rushed himself back to come back for the playoffs. But um, with maybe with a little bit of more um, rest, maybe he yeah. looks good now. But, you know, with TJ Warren, um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, and uh, Turner, they should definitely make the playoffs. I have them at number eight, but honestly, they could definitely make the mid, the mid mid seeds as well as they have been the last few years. Number nine, I have the Charlotte Hornets, which I honestly think through the play on play in tournament, the Charlotte will shock a lot of people and make the playoffs because I do believe that Lamelo Ball and um, uh, Hayward are definitely going to push this team to the top as you know with Devonte graham you have pj washington still miles bridges um even cody zeller looks pretty zeller looks pretty good with, with his like newfound three-point shot so i do think they can make a push for the playoffs and of course the washington wizards the wizards suck defensively this season they're gonna have a rough time guarding or limiting the amount of points that other teams score on them but their sheer star power alone with Westbrook and um, Beal should be yeah. enough to slip them into the play-in tournament and even make the playoffs. Um, yeah. Denny Abdia looks really, really good. Um, honestly, I, I even I can honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I might even put him on my rookie of the year list now. But he looks really good. Hopefully, he can um, you know do things behind Westbrook and Beal. I think he's going to take a lot of um, pressure off them, and I can definitely see them making it through the play-in tournament. And so, yeah, now for the West, of course, I have the Lakers first defending champs. They got better. They're definitely going to maintain their first seed. I think next up, I have the Denver Nuggets. The top three are the same. They're the guaranteed seeds. They're the seeds I know for a fact will happen. Denver Nuggets and then Los Angeles Clippers. So I think that's just going to stay the same from last year. I think those teams are going to be kind of guaranteed. The rest of the conference, however, is a like 
anything can happen, right? Uh, I have number four. I have the Portland Trailblazers. I really do think that the Trailblazers are going to come out strong this season with a full season. I thought last year with the injuries, um, it was the reason why they um, had a rough time. But even then, when every when things start to go well for them, when they start getting healthy, um, you know, they made the playoffs. And I think this is going to just continue now. Now that they brought in Derek Jones Jr., um, Robert Covington, they may retain Lame- uh, sorry, uh, Mello, right? Uh, Carmelo Anthony. And with Yusuf Nurkic in the lineup, I really do think this team can be a top five seed. And then number five, I have the Golden State Warriors. I definitely think the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. Steph Curry is going to have a great season. Even if he doesn't have an insane MVP caliber season, I still do think that they'll make the playoffs. Um, as the lower seed, but I do believe that they'll be the fifth. At number six, I have the Dallas Mavericks. So last year they were the seventh seed. This year I still think they're the sixth seed because I don't think they're, I don't think, even with Luka and his greatness, I don't think the Dallas team is great enough to overcome any of the other five seeds. I, honestly, I think if the Mavericks were in the East, they could easily take a top three seed. But with the, with the great teams in the West right now, I have them at number six. At number seven, I have Houston. But honestly, this all could change based off of what happens with James Harden. I think in the preseason, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins look great coming off their injury. Um, of course, Christian Wood is a really good pickup as well. He's underrated, but he's starting to look like a really all-star type caliber player. Uh, but again, it all depends on uh, James Harden. James Harden is the heart and soul of that team. If he, if he gets traded and if they go into a rebuild, I don't see them making the playoffs. And finally, at number eight, I have the Phoenix Suns. I wish I could put the Suns at number six or number seven, but honestly, they're gonna they're gonna be good enough to make the playoffs. Not good enough to compete with any of the other seven teams above them. Um, I could maybe see them switching spots with the Rockets, even with James Harden, but that's about it. And then at number nine and number ten, I have the New Orleans Pelicans at number nine, and the at number ten, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. Honestly, the playing tournament in the West this season is gonna be a crazy crazy show and it's going to be amazing to see who makes the playoffs but yeah those are my 10 anatos what are yours all right so number one lakers i feel like they're along with having the best record in the west they're going to have the best record in the league in mm-hmm. my opinion and I then at number two it's the top three the same as yours the nuggets because like they're a really good regular season team also read something about like the mile high effect of how like oxygen is less when you go higher, and then somehow teams oh, are not used to that. I don't know. I read something online. Um, okay. Fuck. Yeah. What are you? What? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but like it makes sense. I and then for number three, I have the LA Clippers. They, I mean, the only reason I don't have them higher is because they're obviously going to load manage like Kawhi, and yeah. then they're going to lose plenty of games because of that. And then number four, I actually have the Mavs, right? I think they're going to take a massive step up from last season. And then they're going to surge up in the rankings. Okay, don't at me. Number five, I have the Phoenix Suns. What right? the hell? I, I you really think they're like better than the Blazers and the Warriors? Okay, look. Like, first of all, I don't have the Blazers making the playoffs. Right? What the I'll, I'll, hell? I'll get what? into it. I'll get into it, my guy. I'll get into it. The I Suns, can't believe that, man. What? The Suns have a solid team right now with CP3, Booker, and Aiden. I think DeAndre Aiden's going to... Wait, is it DeAndre Aiden? Uh, yes. Yeah, DeAndre Aiden's going to average at least 25 
this what season. What the hell are you on? What type of pot are you smoking? That brownie pack today? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not copying. Yo, you got, you got, you got Jamal Murray averaging 28. You have, um, thing. Who, who, who'd you say? Uh, Trey uh, Young averaging 30. Trey Young averaging like over 30. And now you're saying that Aiton's gonna average over 25. You're actually yeah. on some crap. You're and on then, some, bro. And then you got Booker. And CP3, right? Look, OKC had a 0.01% chance to make the playoffs last year. And CP3 adds so much into the depth of a team, right? So right. they're always going to go surge up in the rankings. I have them at the, uh, number five. Number six have the Warriors. If that clay, obviously they would be much higher. But because just it's, it's only Curry and like Dream One Green or whatever. And then so that's why I have them at number six. Number seven have the Rockets because I don't believe James Harden's going to be on that team. In in a few weeks, so I think James Harden is out. And if you put like Demarcus Cousins and John Wall on the same team, I think they're good enough to make the playoffs, but like a low seed. So I would mm-hmm. I would have them at number seven. And then at number eight, I would have the New Orleans Pelicans. I feel like they are better than the uh, the Portland Trailblazers, and I feel like they will make the playoffs, right? At, at an eight seed, but at number nine, I have the Trailblazers, and at number ten, I have the Utah Jazz. You completely slap on the Jazz in your yeah, list. Yeah, I here's the thing though. I just don't think that the Jazz can compete with the rest of the team, with the rest of the the West. Like I, I can't. I don't see them. Grizz, the Grizzlies are coming up. I can see them maybe overtake the Grizzlies, but not the Pelicans, not the Suns, not the Rockets, the Mavericks, Warriors, Blazers, Clippers. There's no. I don't see an any scenario unless you know Donovan Mitchell really does go on that all NBA jump that I was talking about earlier if he really pulls up and averages like 30 something points per game and that the Jazz are you know putting up numbers cuz honestly the Jazz have a whole, don't have a great offense it's all reliant on Mitchell right if yeah. they they need more pieces to make the playoffs i don't think they're going to make it because the rest of the teams in the west the top 10 seeds in the west that i have they're a lot more complete i think than I mean- I'm still just surprised how you stuck on the Jazz. Like, you don't, you don't think the Jazz are going to be a top 10 team like the Utah Jazz? Maybe. Okay. I can I can compromise you for the Grizzlies, all right? Yes. Like, maybe the Grizzlies, I can take you up, but not no one else. Uh, I think they have a, a they don't have as complete of a team as um, any other team in the West. Maybe the Grizzlies. I can give you the Grizzlies, but that's it. It's hard, bro. The West, the West is loaded this season, the West is especially tough. lower half. So I don't I see. Personally feel like the, I personally feel like the Western Conference Finals will be the NBA Finals, in my opinion, for sure. I still think. I think. Okay, personally, I'm predicting. Okay, we can get into this later on. Yeah, later on. I think. Sure. The, I think it's going to be Nets Lakers, and I think that's going to be an insane finals, like a very competitive finals. But I mean. Should I mean, anything happened. Like, Boston can beat the Nets in a seven-game series, in my opinion. No. No, the Nets have too much star power, and they have depth. The Boston has, like, young stars, but they're that Jason Tatum isn't a Kevin Durant, right? Even if Kevin Durant's coming off injury. I mean, you said that Kevin Durant's going to average 18 points per game. I don't think I've seen anyone around Kevin Durant as much. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give you two points. He'll average 20. Happy, man. Oh He's gonna my gosh, bro. Dude, this guy looks literally like his old self in the preseason. And you're telling me he's only going to average 20 points per game. You're crazy, bro. No one comes back from an Achilles, my guy. 
Well, you know what? Kevin Durant looks pretty good coming off that injury. I, uh, if I say so myself, I watched that Nets game. But I mean, listen, you know, the Nets are playing in a few hours. We'll see. And we'll yeah. talk about it next week. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that wraps up the first podcast, Wired Hoops wow. podcast number one. Damn, man, uh, so thank long. you. Two that hours. was really long. Yeah, um, yeah. we're probably going to end up cutting a lot of it out. Yeah, but for sure. Thank you. If you listened for the entire thing, or even if you listened just a couple little bit, right? Just for yeah. some time. We Have really you appreciate you hanging out with us, talking about you know, our predictions, so free agency news. Um, let us know what you think about the podcast, what, you know, improvements we can make and all that can be done. Just follow us at our Instagram at wired hoops and just send us a DM. What do you think about the show? What do you think about the podcast? Like what we could do better, what type of topics we should talk about. Um, anything you want to see, let us know. Um, till next week, we're signing off. Peace. Peace. Uh, Have a great, Week, I guess. Bye.